0: Notes, that would be great. Again, we are back here to Isaiah 53, and um, we are in part 12. Um, it has been, what, three months now? Or, yeah, three months in Isaiah 53, and I think we're coming to um, very close into that chapter. We have, I think, three more sermons or something like that, and then we'll be done with Isaiah 53. And we have arrived to the very end of uh, that chapter, the last three verses, verse 10 to 12. We'll We'll read it, and then we will continue breaking it down and try to understand it a little bit more. Isaiah 53, 10 to 12. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of His of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant, my righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, Because he poured out himself to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. Amen? Amen. So we started in that portion last week. And we said that um, Isaiah 53, just like Psalm 22, has two major portions in it. It talks about the suffering of the cross, and then the glory that follows that suffering. And we have arrived to the part of Isaiah 53 that talks about the glories that, su- that follows the suffering of the servant on the cross. Pretty much since we started, we're talking about his suffering. We talked about how he was our substitute on the cross, our, our, our sin offering, how he was mistreated, how he was treated unjustly. And the whole chapter so far talks about how much he suffered for us. Today, we're going to start on the rewards, the glories that followed that cross that Jesus endured on our behalf. If you remember, last week we said that we have three main points, three main ideas in, in these three verses. Number one is the origin of the servant's suffering. The reason why he suffered, and that's the first part, it pleased the Lord. Amen? The reason Jesus suffered on the cross, this was the will and the pleasure and the delight of God, that he will be our substitute on the cross. And then uh, the second point is the nature of the suffering. And it says here in Isaiah 53:10 10, that the Lord was pleased to crush him through suffering, or through grief, or through pain, and to make him a guilt Offering, And that is the nature of the suffering um, of Christ on the cross. The rest of the chapter pretty much talks about the results of that suffering, the rewards that Jesus has received as our substitute on the cross. And it calls about six different blessings, rewards that Jesus has received because he was our substitute on the cross. That's from verse 10 to 12. Number one, he will see his offspring Number two, he will prolong his days. Number three, the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And as and as a result of the anguish of his soul. Number four, he will see yet and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant, number five, will justify them many. Because he has, because he burst their sin, and number six, therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong. So these are the six rewards, blessings that Jesus has received uh, because he endured the cross, because he was our substitute on the cross. Today we're going to take number one, two, and three, and four, and we're going to stop there. Next week going to be number five, and the week after going to be number six. Uh, next week going to be great. I, I was just blown away when I just studied uh, that phrase. My righteous servant, by his knowledge, will justify many. So please make sure you don't miss this one. It's just amazing. But let's just focus on the first four rewards that Christ has received because he died on the cross for us. Number one, he will see his offspring or his seed. Amen. And we have seen a similar um, reward, a similar blessing that was um, told also about jesus in psalm twenty two remember psalm twenty two we spent five weeks talking about that. How is that a picture also of the agony of the cross and the glory that suffer, that follows that psalm twenty two verse thirty which is usually applied to the Messiah. It says this, As seed shall serve him, he shall be accounted. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. So in Psalm 22 say that the Messiah will have a seed that will serve him or an offspring that will serve him. Same thing Isaiah talks about here and says that he will see his offspring or he will see his seed. Now, In the Jewish mindset, having kids is an ultimate blessing from God. This is how in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish mindset, you know that you are blessed by God. When you have kids and you see your kids prospering. There are so many scriptures for that in the Old Testament. Let me just point one uh, to you here. In Genesis 48 verse 11. Now, Jacob, Israel, is about to die and he's blessing Joseph and his children. He said, And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not, um, I had not thought to see thy faith, and to God has, and, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. So Jacob is talking to, uh, to to Joseph and he said, The Lord has blessed me so much, not just by seeing you, him being his seed, but also by seeing your own offspring. So in the Jewish mindset, seeing your children or your children's children, this is the ultimate reward, the ultimate blessing from the Lord. Amen? So that's what Isaiah is saying here. When the Messiah, when the servant will see his seed, he's speaking of God, to give him the ultimate blessing, the ultimate reward. And who is Christ's seed? Who is the seed that Isaiah here is talking about? Us. Right? You and me, those who come to trust in Him for our salvation, we are that offspring of the labor of the soul of Christ on the cross. And when Jesus looks at you and me, this is a reward. He looks at us and He says, Man, it was worth it that I would go to the cross. Can you imagine this? He looks at us and He says, Wow. You know, just seeing Karen saved, praising Jesus or Emmanuel or any one of us, say, man, the cross was worth it to see them saved and praising me. Amen? Amen. Now. In the Jewish mindset, having the seed is or having the offspring is the result or is the indication of God's ultimate blessing. As a personal note, I would say this is not applicable to the New Testament anymore. For me, the ultimate sign of God's blessing is not that I have children. The ultimate blessing of God's, the ultimate sign of God's blessing is that Jesus died for me on the cross. Amen? In the New Testament, for me, Kids are amazing. It's such a blessing. But the sign that God loves me is not my kids. It's the cross of Christ. Amen? There's a lot of godly people who love the Lord who don't have kids. It doesn't mean that God is mad at them. Amen? Because the cross is the sign of God's favor and His love, not anything else. So that's the first part, that the Messiah will see His seed. He will see His offspring. And not only that, and He will prolong His days. Remember what we said a few verses ago that the Messiah will be cut off from the land of the living, right? What does that mean? That the Messiah will die, right? He will be cut off from the land of the living. That's in verse 8. But here in verse 10, we see that his days will be prolonged, so what is Isaiah is trying to tell us here? Isaiah here is trying to tell us or hint to us or talk to us about the resurrection of Christ. Amen. That even though the servant died and he was cut off from the land of the living, yet the same servant who died now, he is alive and his days will be prolonged and he will live forever more. Amen. So the resurrection also was a sign that God has accepted the perfect and ultimate sacrifice that Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen. So as a reward to Jesus, because he was our servant, our our substitute, the servant of the Lord, who died on our behalf on the cross. Number one, he will see his seed, that's you and me, and the millions of the redeemed all over the world. And not only that, but he will prolong his days. He will live and he will live forevermore after that. But not only that, one of the blessings that he will also receive is that the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. We talked about this last week. What is the pleasure of the Lord? That he has to suffer. Correct. Specifically last week we said that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But that the wicked will turn from his way and repent. Amen. We talked about God saying or Jesus saying in the book of Luke. Don't worry you little flock because it is the pleasure of God to give you the little kingdom. that To give you the kingdom. So God's pleasure is man's salvation. It is his will. It is his pleasure that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. So God's pleasure is that the human race will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And here we have a prophecy that this pleasure that people will be saved, the pleasure of the Lord not probably will prosper. It shall prosper in his hand, the servant's hand. Amen? So this is a promise from God to Jesus in a way that people will come to know him and the pleasure of the Lord will be Accomplished and prosper because of Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Amen? Yes, amen? Remember that takes us back to the very first verse that we started with in Isaiah 52 verse 13 when God introduced his servant to the picture and he said, Behold my servant. And what is the thing that God said about him? He shall prosper. Amen? And God introduced the servant as the one who will prosper in the very beginning of that song. And God concludes the song also by saying that his servant will prosper. So the matter of the fact that Jesus and the cross will actually work and people will get saved is is a done deal from from a scripture perspective. Amen. And then it says that the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That expression here in his hand, it just implies that the servant would be the instrument which God would use to accomplish his pleasure, which is the salvation plan for the fallen man race. We see, for example, in Numbers 36, 13 about Moses, the laws was given by the hand of Moses or in the hands of Moses. I.e., Moses was the instrument through which the law of the Lord was delivered to the human race. And it's the same way that expression here that the will of God, the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in the hand of the servant. It just tells us that the servant will be the instrument through which the salvation plan that God has for the fallen human race will 100% prosper and accomplish what it means. Amen? Amen. So what is the blessing so far? Let's say it together. Number one, the servant will see his seed or offspring. Number two, he will prolong his days. He will live after he dies. And number three, the pleasure of the Lord, the salvation of mankind will prosper in his hand. Moving forward, it says here that from the travail of his soul, he shall see it. Now, let's look deep, a little bit deeper into this. What, what does it mean here, um, from the travail of his soul? The first word in Hebrew can carry many, many, the first preposition can carry many meaning. It can be from that travail of his soul or because of that travail of his soul or after that travail of his soul. These are all possible meanings to that Hebrew uh, preposition, the very first word. But the idea is still the same, that the travail of his soul, the pain that he has gone through is the reason, is the foundation why he shall see it and be satisfied. You guys follow me? So whatever the the servant will see and be satisfied is the direct result of him suffering on the cross and because of the travail of his soul. The word that Isaiah used here for the word travail of his soul, the word travail, it really means to be heavy, wear some in labor. Like for example, that word was mentioned in Ecclesiastic ten fifteen. That toil of the of the fool of a fool so worries him that he does not even know how to go to the city. So the idea here is somebody is so worn out; every single ounce of strength in him has been absolutely consumed. And that's literally what happened to Jesus on the cross. He was worn out because of the pain and the suffering that he has endured. He was left with absolutely no strength in him to endure anymore. Amen? That tells us just the magnitude of the suffering of the servant on the cross. Remember Jesus? This is the one who created everything. The one who was so mighty and so powerful. Yet on the cross, he was so worn out because of your sins and because of my sins. Isn't that just amazing? He will see of the travail of his soul and and he shall see it and he will be satisfied. Now, the Hebrew here in the second part, he shall see it, there is different manuscripts and it has different readings. The, the Masoretic text, which is the most common one that we all use, it says, he shall see it. But the Septuagint, which we talked about multiple times, what is the Septuagint? It is the Greek translation of the Old Testament before Jesus. So that tells us how the Jews understood that scripture before Christ. So the Septuagint actually reads, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And then when they they did the Qumran uh, discovery, they found some uh, manuscripts in the Qumran discoveries as well that reads, he shall see the light of life and he will be satisfied. What I'm trying to say is this. The most common manuscript says, he shall see it and be satisfied. But the older manuscripts say, he shall see the light of life and be satisfied. So it's it's a toss up on what the Hebrew actually means or what the Hebrew actually originally said. We don't know for sure. Either readings can be correct. Now, if we give in that the actual reading is, he shall see the light of life and be satisfied, this will be. Hard reading. We don't know. I, I personally don't know exactly what you mean by he will see the light of life. It is probably an indication of his resurrection, that he will be resurrected from the dead and he will see life again and then he will be satisfied. The other option, if we say he shall see it, then that will probably be a reference to the offspring, the seed that we just spoke about. Amen. So both meanings are acceptable. Both meanings are plausible. You know, the thing is, if we look into the context to try to figure out which one actually Isaiah is trying to tell us that the servant will see. We just spoke about it like in verse 10 in the blessings. He said we said that he shall see his offspring and his days will be prolonged. Right. So in the previous context, it talks about both of them being a blessing. The offspring is God's reward and the, life, and the resurrection, his life will be prolonged, is also a reward from God, right? So from what we just spoke about, both meanings can be true. We can say that the servant will see his offspring or the servant will see the resurrection because both just spoken of. So, so far, we don't have any clue on which way Isaiah wants us to go. But if we look to the verse afterward, it says, God says, therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. And now it goes back to his offspring, that he will have an offspring, that he will have a seed. And this seed will be strong, and this seed will be also mighty. Amen? So it seems like the major theme of that passage is the offspring. So it's more likely than less likely That the Hebrew says, he shall see it and be satisfied, i.e. he shall see his seed and be satisfied. You guys follow me? Mm -hmm. Now, in the scripture, in the overall scripture, we can see more, more directly that the offspring, like believers coming to know Christ, is more linked as a direct reward for him dying on the cross for us. This is more of a common, direct theme in the scripture. Let me just show you a couple of examples. Hebrews 12.2 Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfector of our faith, who, because of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. What is that joy? Us coming to know Christ, right? So because of that joy, he endured the cross. So getting people saved was the direct result of the cross in a way. Hebrews 5.9 and having been made perfect as a captain of our salvation through that suffering he became the result of him suffering the result of him being made perfect through that suffering he became to all those who obey him what a secure of eternal a source of eternal salvation so the salvation of man is directly linked to Christ dying for us on the cross as a reward John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of a wheat falls into the, into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, what is the result? It will bear much fruit. That's you and me coming to know Christ. John 12, 32. And if I am lifted up from the earth, that's Jesus being crucified, nailed on the cross. What's going to be the direct result of that? I will draw all men to my so so over and over and over again we see that people getting saved that you and me getting saved was a direct result and a direct reward for Jesus suffering on our behalf on the cross amen yeah. so Probably, I would say 60% then what Isaiah is trying to tell us this. He shall see it, the offspring, the, 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 the seed of him dying on the cross. And then he will be satisfied rather than he shall see the light of life and be satisfied. Amen. Amen. Now let's just close with that word. Be satisfied. The idea here in Hebrew is really like when you're hungry. And then you go eat and then you're so full of food that you can't even breathe anymore. That is the idea here. You're so full that you're so full of joy and happiness because all the hunger has gone and now your stomach is so full of food. We see that word used in Deuteronomy 31.20. For when I bring them into the land flowing with milk and honey which I swore to their fathers and they have eaten and are satisfied. The exact same Hebrew word here that talks about the Messiah, but it's more linked to food. After you eat, you are satisfied, you're full, and you become prosperous. And they will turn then they will turn to other gods and serve them and spurn me and break my covenant. It also can be linked to being full of water. Like you, you're so thirsty and then you find water and you drink and you're just so full now. That's an example in uh, Proverbs 30:16. Earth shall never be satisfied with water. So that's the idea here. You're being satisfied, full of joy, full of abundance, excess It's like you had what you need, but even more than what you need. um, You're filled and fulfilled. You have joy in excess and in abundance. That's what the word really here means. The idea that Isaiah is trying to tell us here, he shall see of the travail the labor of his soul, he shall see it and he shall prosper. Probably what Isaiah is trying to bring to our attention here is a picture of a woman who's in labor for so long and the pain of giving birth is just so hard and so unbearable and then finally the baby comes out and the mom holds the baby and when the mom sees the baby and hold that baby tight, all the pain and the suffering that she has endured for that baby to be born, now is gone, and all that is with now with the mom is just the joy of having that baby, amen? Amen. That's probably what Isaiah is trying to tell us here about Jesus, that Jesus endured so much hardship, so much suffering, so much pain on the cross, that it is like a woman giving birth, The pain was unbearable, but then once you and me come to the saving knowledge of Christ, and Christ see us saved, it's like this mother that sees The newborn baby and now all the pain that she has endured is gone and she doesn't even think about it anymore because of the fullness and the abundance of joy that she has received when that baby has come to life. Amen? I just, this is just amazing. Amen? Amen. This is what you and me mean to Christ. Can you imagine That when somebody getting saved, this is the feeling that goes through the mind and the heart of Christ. He looks at you and me and he's satisfied. And all the pain that he has endured on the cross for our salvation, he doesn't kind of remember it anymore because he's overwhelmed with the joy and the abundance and the fulfillment that comes when somebody comes to know Christ. Amen. So what are the blessings that the servant had so far? Let's call them and then we will pray. Number one, he will see his offspring. Number two, he will prolong his days. Number three. The good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Number four, as the result of the travail, the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Amen. Next week, we'll talk about how the righteous servant will justify many. And then the week after, we'll close with verse 12. Why don't we close our eyes and pray?